Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. In the late nineties, I worked in the internet, was quite happy doing it. The problem with working in the internet in the 90s was that companies had a tendency not to last very long. If you were willing to take a chance and work at smaller companies, you had to get used to that fact, and I did. More than once, a company would just go away one day. Sometimes you got paid afterwards, other times you just got to go and find a job. I had a really good experience with one of the companies that closed down, in that they gave me a month of severance pay. Now, I started instantly looking for a job, and that being the 90s and everything going well on the internet, it wasn't hard to find one. But they didn't need me to start right away, and I didn't know what to do. I was living in New Jersey at the time, and here I am with a couple of weeks on my hands. So I started just sort of hanging around the house, doing nothing, watching TV. And then I thought to myself, this is one of those experiences where I am going to take a trip. And I was going to take a trip to some place I'd never been before. I looked at Europe. I think I even looked at Australia, and I thought, I don't really have a lot of time for that. I want to do something in the U.S. And I decided on a place I'd never been before, Disneyland. I went out there by myself. At that point, I'd never been to California before, had never been to L.A. The whole thing was a very odd experience. I spent four days in Anaheim. I tooled a little bit around L.A., looked around. They hadn't even opened that second park yet, so I spent most of my time just exploring Disneyland and hanging out there. I had just bought myself something that was brand new at the time, an MP3 player, and this was before iPods came out. It was a Rio MP3 player. And while I had a nice little musical playlist, I had also started getting into old-time radio and had downloaded a whole bunch of great OTR and listened to it a little on the plane on the way there but fell asleep. Then on the way back, I had a very late flight, a red-eye flying back, and waiting at LAX for the plane to take off. It was late. We didn't get off the ground until about 1.30 in the morning. So I was leaning against the window. The row was empty, and I fell asleep with my headphones on. About an hour into the flight, I woke up freaked out. I'd been listening to a show called Suspense, and I guess what was going on in my headphones sort of seeped into my subconscious, and I woke up with a start and yelled out. Everyone on the plane turned around and looked at me. Even the flight attendant came back and asked me if I was okay. That episode was about a woman who was bedridden, who was fearing for her life, and I believed myself in that role. I was quite relieved to wake up and find myself on a plane, but the power of that radio show stuck with me, and I became an instant fan. When I got home, I started listening to it constantly until I had listened to the whole run of the show, and there are a lot of episodes. If you spend a lot of time in front of your computer or take a lot of road trips, you can of course listen to podcasts, but there is a wealth of already recorded entertainment in the public domain in the form of old-time radio, and I could suggest a lot of different ones. Of course, I love Dragnet, but during this Halloween season, which is approaching us quickly, you want a nice little scare? Might I suggest Suspense. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about Suspense. We'll talk about its creation. We'll talk about some of the people who produced it, directed it. We'll talk a little bit about the music, we'll talk about some of the more famous episodes, and we'll talk about how the show ended. We have a lot of information to cover, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Roma Wines present Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you as star, Miss Lucille Ball, who appears tonight as a Broadway lady, whom you may have often seen if you are a devotee of musical comedy. She is the third one from the left in the chorus line. And so with this little lady's narrative about the ten grand, and with the performance of Lucille Ball as Miss Gigi Lewis, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense! Suspense was a radio drama, maybe even a radio thriller, that ran on the CBS Broadcasting Network from 1942 to 1962, so 20 years on the radio. And it was popular for a large part of that run, one of the most popular radio shows that ever happened. In total, they produced about 945 episodes, and several of those are still missing, but you can get many, many hundreds of them still today. The show would go through changes over its 20-year run, obviously like most shows, but it all got its start with a very famous guy named Alfred Hitchcock. You know, many, you see many films, there's a great confusion, especially in my particular genre of work. There's a great confusion between the words mystery and suspense. And the two things are absolutely miles apart. You see, mystery is an intellectual process, like in a whodunit. But suspense is essentially an emotional process. Therefore, you can only get the suspense element going by giving the audience information. And I dare say you've seen many films which have mysterious goings on. You don't know what's going, why the man is doing this, why that. And you're about a third of the way through the film before you realize what it's all about. And to me, that's completely wasted footage because there's no emotion to it. In your own terms, have you ever made a mystery? No. Uh, um, not basically to say this is a mystery. <clears throat> because I found that um, it's like a whodunit. I've only made one whodunit many, many years ago. Because in the course, before you arrive at that five-second revelation. Uh, there's no emotion from an audience. When you're reading a book, you're terribly tempted to turn to the last page all the time. But that's merely an emotion of curiosity. So, uh, uh, I, the mystery has no particular appeal to me, merely because it's, uh, it is a fact of mystifying an audience. Back in 1940, 
CBS was going to have a summer series called Forecast, and they approached Alfred Hitchcock to direct the first episode of what would become Suspense. Hitchcock agreed on the condition that CBS also mention his upcoming film that he was working on, Foreign Correspondent. So once all that had been settled, Hitchcock agreed to direct an episode called The Lodger, which is the first episode, which was also a film that Alfred Hitchcock had filmed way back in 1926. The Lodger is a story written in 1912 in that episode, which is a pretty famous episode. The actor Herbert Marshall portrayed a mysterious lodger, hence the name, and the people who run the rooming house, played by Edmund Gwen and Lorreen Tuttle, start to suspect that he might be a killer, not just any killer, the notorious killer Jack the Ripper. Head musician of CBS Radio Wilbur Hatch did the music and the theme song for this first episode, and that would change later on to a, another very famous musical talent. Hitchcock did something very novel at the time. I always know Hitchcock was very clever. He decided to end the episode without revealing whether Marshall was Jack the Ripper. And this was brilliant because people heard this and said, well, I want to know. So they started writing letters trying to find out how the story ended. A lot of those people were very, very mad. But again, it ignited the popularity of the show. And two years later, on June 17, 1942, the show would premiere not under the umbrella of another show, Forecast, but instead as Suspense. Now, when Suspense premiered, sans Hitchcock, it was hosted by a very mysterious man in black. And we never find out the identity of the man in black. And I hate when people do that. He was voiced by Joseph Kearns and or Ted Osborne, depending on the episode and the year. And a lot of the episodes were written or adapted by the very prominent mystery author, John Dixon Carr. And if you're into detective fiction, detective novels, you probably know that John Dixon Carr's most famous character is the detective Dr. Fell. As I mentioned, when I was on the plane, the episode I was listening to was about a woman who was bedridden and panics after hearing a murder plot on a crossed telephone connection. So she believes she's really in trouble and is unable to get anyone to help her. That episode was called Sorry, Wrong Number and starred Agnes Moorhead. That episode wasn't written by John Dixon Carr, but instead was written by Lucille Fletcher. Fletcher was a pretty prolific television writer who happened to be married to a very famous musical talent, Bernard Herrmann. And we'll talk a little bit about Bernard Herrmann later. What's weird about that episode is that because Suspense ran for so long and had so many episodes, they actually would restage that particular episode, because it was so popular, many, many times, with Agnes Moorhead playing the role again. From 1943 to 1960, it was restaged seven times with Moorhead in it, and it was so popular that it would lead to a film adaption in 1948, and the movie's name is the same, sorry, wrong number, but instead of Agnes Moorhead, it has Barbara Stanwyck in it. It was actually nominated for an Academy Award. In 1989, they made a TV movie called Sorry, Wrong Number, and that had an equally great talent in it, Miss Lonnie Anderson. Now, the show did really well in the 40s, but the 1950s are really considered the heyday of the program's success and creativity. That's when Elliot Lewis, who was a radio actor, producer, and director, took over running the show. People consider the writing and talent to be strongest during this part because they brought in people like Orson Welles, Henry Fonda, Judy Garland, 
Marlena Dietrich, Cary Grant, and didn't just stay with straight mystery, but instead would veer into dramas. One of the more creative things that Lewis did was he took comedy people, people you wouldn't expect to be able to do drama or suspense, and cast them in the lead roles. When Lewis took over on suspense, he was probably best known for playing Frankie Remley, the sidekick to Phil Harris, on a very popular show called The Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. I kind of forget that people might not know what these shows are. The Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, another great golden age old-time radio show, was a spinoff of The Jack Benny Show, where Phil Harris had been the band leader for the Jack Benny program. For those not familiar with Phil Harris, here's a sample of some of his great work. While I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box afloating. Yes, he was Baloo in Disney's The Jungle Book. And yes, I went off on a tangent because I happen to be a really big fan. We now return to the Suspense podcast, already in progress. In early radio and television, the sponsor was very important, and there was often one sponsor for a show, and Suspense had two big ones. For the first two years of the show, it was run by CBS, so no sponsors. Then from 44 to 47, it was sponsored by Roma Wines. What? You've never heard of Roma Wines? Why, their reputation stretches from the California coast all the way down to somewhere like, I don't know, Ecuador? Far to the south of us is our good neighbor country, Ecuador, land of towering mountains, sweeping vistas. Let's imagine ourselves there now, dining on the roof terrace cafe of the exclusive Hotel Metropolitano in Guayaquil, Ecuador. Near us, an American has just complimented his hosts on the magnificent dinner, to which his host quickly responds, Ah, yes, it is true that our foods are famous. But from your land comes a rare delicacy also, one which has spread the fame of your own California to many far corners of the world. It is this superb wine, so excellent that we in Ecuador import it from your United States. My friend, I drink to you in your own delicious Roma wine. Our Ecuadorian friend is right. For Roma wine's superb quality has won such favor in many far places that they import it enjoy it as a rare luxury. But not so here in America. Here, millions know and enjoy Roma wines as an inexpensive, everyday delight, at mealtimes and when entertaining. So many, in fact, that Roma is America's largest selling wine. With no high import duties to pay, nor expensive shipping costs, you enjoy these distinguished wines for only pennies a glass. Ask for Roma wines which bring you old-world winemaking skill, plus Roma's own modern scientific controls and testing. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Boy, was my face red. I thought that was an Ecuadorian wine. Well, after Roma Wines, they tried to do this hour-long version of suspense in 48 and during that one hour attempt they got rid of the man in black and replaced him with the actor robert montgomery who would introduce the plays that lasted only six months and when they came back they had a new sponsor auto light spark plugs the highest quality spark plugs (laughs) 
the show was doing really well, and then television came out. And when that happened, both Autolite Spark Plugs and Elliot Lewis left the show. Subsequent producers, like Anthony Ellis and William Robson, would try to keep the show's quality up, despite the fact that budgets kept shrinking and fewer named actors would want to show up because nobody was listening. To save money, the program would frequently use scripts first broadcast on another CBS anthology called Escape. So there's often some duplicates of the two shows. By the end of the series, they were remaking scripts from a long-canceled CBS program called The Mysterious Traveler. And at this time, you would start to get almost science fiction-y type episodes, time travel episodes, death ray things, great stuff for kids. But the show really wasn't keeping to its suspenseful roots at that point. It was suspense in name alone. I mentioned earlier that Lucille Fletcher had been married to Bernard Herrmann. Bernard Herrmann was an American composer, most famous probably for working with Alfred Hitchcock. He also created the theme that you heard at the beginning of the show, the theme for suspense. In addition to working in movies, he worked extensively in radio dramas at the time, doing work for Orson Welles and later in television for Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone. Very talented guy. As I mentioned, the show was on the air for a little over 20 years, and because it was so popular, was rarely preempted by any other programming. In total, there were over 945 episodes, and about 900 of them are available online if you're a collector or a fan to listen to. The show ended its run on September 30th, 1962, which was also the day that another long-running radio drama ended, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. By many people's accounts, this was the end of the golden age of radio, and radio would never be the same again. But from talking to people who lived through that era, it seems like the golden age of radio had actually peaked a couple of years earlier. And what you were seeing is the juggernauts of the radio business that just had so much momentum still carrying them forward, finally running out of steam, uh, unable to sustain themselves. What's great about old-time radio is it's a largely free and open media that if you have a computer, you have access to an incredible array of programming for. You just need to point your browser to the Internet Archive, archive.org, and do a search on OTR, and you'll see not only is there Suspense and yours truly, Johnny Dollar, but there's Dragnet, X-1, any number of genres that you could want. So this Halloween, if you're taking a long trip and you've run out of the Retroist podcast to listen to, why not download some episodes of Suspense, especially the material from the 40s and, if you can, the 50s? I think you will not be disappointed. It's really well done and often powerful entertainment, and it is a great one to introduce to a younger generation. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. We've switched into Halloween mode on the Retroist, so if you look around, you'll notice all sorts of Halloween content coming into the site. We plan on trying to do that for the next 31 days. If you have some Halloween content you want to share, send it on over. Head over to the forum, post about your Halloween memories. We'd love to hear them. 
for more retro fun, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. If you haven't done so already, if you have an iTunes account and you can drop by the retroist entry for it, maybe give us a little review. Really appreciate it. Those stars really seem to matter. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. calculated to leave you in suspense. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.